team at My Mortgage are all about making it easy to buy your first home. So we've put together some conversations where Claire and Greg talk about the process and share some of our top tips to help you on your journey. Kia ora team, it is Claire and Greg here from My Mortgage. Hello. Hello, hello. And we are talking today about... Essentially, how we get a loan approval. How do we get it to work, to add up, to get you the best result possible? So today we're just going to talk about a few things. A lot of it's relating to serviceability and bank policy type stuff, but we'll try and make it as fun as possible, won't we, Greg? Absolutely, we will. So I suppose first thing is around servicing. So what is servicing, Claire, and what can we do to improve our servicing? Serviceability is essentially the amount of income or money you have left over once you've paid for all of your expenses. So the bank will look at how much you earn, how much you spend, and then what that difference is and does it add up essentially. Can you afford to live the life you want to live and have this new loan in place? So a couple of things that we look at quite often to improve someone's servicing position. Sometimes bank policy can look a little bit different for different types of income. So definitely a really good example of that is self-employed income, where some banks will take things like depreciation or home office and they'll add those back to your overall income. Others won't, but in some other situations, things like bonus income or dividends or things like that can be treated differently. So Again, it's also really important to have quite a few different bank options because the policies can be different. What are some other things that we do, Greg, to improve people's serviceability? Yeah, so things like changing your debt position. So potentially you've got some existing debt and that could be debt like personal loans and things like that. And potentially with personal loans, we might not be able to change too much. But with credit cards, for example, even if you've got a $5,000 credit card that has no balance on it, closing that credit card will give you a much better servicing position. Other things, student loans. So student loans are great. And obviously people use them to get further ahead in education. And even though they're interest free, which is amazing, the actual amount coming out of your payslip every week or fortnight or month can actually have a massive impact on your serviceability. So occasionally you might have savings and it may actually be better for you to pay off your student loan and that might give you a slightly smaller deposit, but it's going to increase your servicing, which will allow us to lend more. What about uh, test servicing rates? So clients will say, hey, you know, at five and a half percent interest or whatever the interest rate is, I can afford X. Why are we only able to afford this amount? So test servicing rates are a pretty big one from a bank perspective and essentially, very roughly, they add about... Two and a half percent, sometimes three percent, on top of the the sort of the current one or two year fixed rate. So very roughly, if there's one and two year rates, sort of around five to six percent, they'll probably be looking at seven and a half to eight and a half percent test servicing. And what that means is that if those rates were to increase, let's hope they don't, but right up to that higher level, then you could still afford to have that lending in place. And those checks and balances are actually linked to government or legal requirements for mm. the banks. And they actually have to be able to tick that box to prove that they have done enough due diligence to make sure that you can still afford that lending and pay it back in time. Yeah, and some of the other things we look at from a servicing point of view, potentially your income by itself, if you're buying just on your own, isn't enough to quite get the lending you're wanting. So some things like having flatmates or boarders live with you is a really good way to increase that servicing. Now, obviously we get, you know, most people would rather live alone or, you know, if they could, but sometimes we need that extra income to be able to get where you want to go. And the other thing is occasionally we'll say to people, hey, look, by yourself, you can afford X, but if you found a friend or a family member or someone else to buy with, that can massively increase your serviceability. And obviously the reason there is it does 
doesn't cost twice as much to run a household with two people. There's efficiencies of having two people as there is to one. So that's where buying with someone else, essentially their entire income can almost become extra servicing. So we see massive benefits there and we've seen a lot of brothers and sisters, family members, even friends buying together because it just increases their serviceability quite a lot. Yeah. And the other thing we always just say to get legal advice, if you're looking to go into a situation with people who may not be a partner or a, you know, or a brother or sister, just being really clear about everybody's requirements and who is paying for what and how you're splitting those costs because that's really important and it just saves a whole lot of heartache later. Mm. And especially at some point, you may want to unwind that as well. So you might be, hey, we're going to buy together now, but in three years' time, we're going to relook at the situation and someone's going to go their separate ways amicably. Or potentially, hey, what happens if I get a partner and they want to buy into the property or, you know, those kind of things. So it's really good just to have good legal advice there. If a problem arises or a question arises, how do we deal with that? Claire, we get asked a lot about why the bank needs so much information. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to give a quick rundown in terms of like the types of information we need and actually why there needs to be so much information now? And probably maybe for those people who, you know, family, brothers and sisters, mum and dad have brought property in the past, you know, 10 years ago, why maybe it's a little bit more difficult now? So there's a couple of parts to this in my view. So the first one is that we ask for information so that we can get a range of options. So sometimes if you approach one bank, you may need a little bit less information, but not double the amount to go to three or four. So we'll sometimes ask for a few extra details just to kind of remove any of the unknowns. One of the big things that we've seen come up in the last sort of three years, the first one was the Responsible Lending Code. That affected things like guarantees and people needing to show that they could service lending if they were doing small top-ups or bits and pieces. And then the most recent one is the Triple CFA, the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, which has been all over the media with its sort of inept interpretation of the legislation, but also the very prescriptive nature of it. So essentially what it's meant is that banks are having to ask for more information about the things that you pay for and they actually need to evidence them. So a really good example is used to just say, hey, look, insurance is going out once a year. It's $2,500. Cool. End of story. With the triple CFA, the banks are starting to then ask for insurance statements and bits and pieces as well around that. So it was around providing evidence. And so that's why sometimes people go, oh, why do you need that? And it's all about getting the right result. We're very particular about also not asking for more information than we need. So a lot of banks will ask you for a complete breakdown of all of your expenses. So everything that you spend, and that could be 25 different questions. So we do eliminate that as much as possible, Mm. don't we, Greg? Yeah, we've got a great team that look after that stuff. Um, And also things that we found a little bit pop out recently is things like afterpay and lay-by and all those sorts of things, or even where you've inquired about them but haven't actually set them up. Sometimes there's actually been an account set up for you and you might have never used it. And so those will come up as well. And so getting those closed, and sometimes it can feel like a massive rigmarole because you're going, hey, I don't even, you've never used this and you need to contact that supplier and get it shut down and all those sorts of things. But the more we can do that, the cleaner we can make things for you in the long run. Yeah, totally. Greg, I'm really interested around the different options that are available across the bank. Like, what kind of differences do you see sometimes? Like if I'm the same client and I come to you, 
What might that look like for me if we're looking at a couple of different bank options? Like, what are the differences normally? Yeah, so there's heaps of ways that the bank look at things. So, like you mentioned before, Claire, around dividends, different types of income, those sorts of things. The banks will look at those quite different and could potentially scale them differently. So, they might only take, you know, one bank might take 80% of your dividends and another bank might only take 50% of your dividends. Things like borders. Some banks will only allow us to have one border. Some might allow us to have two. Some of them might only allow us to have, you know, two at $150 a week and others two at 250 So those can make pretty massive differences. And what we can often see, you know, differences of $100,000, $200,000 of lending based on the exact same clients, but just going to different banks. And we are seeing policies starting to diverge a little bit as well. So probably in the last three or four years, banks have all been really similar. And then just in the last kind of 12 to 18 months, we've started to see the banks become quite different. And so that's where just walking into your own bank, although that's who you've banked with for a long time and they know lots of your situation, actually having those options. And it may be that we end up back at your home bank and that's great, but actually having those options can make a pretty massive difference in terms of what you're able to afford. And we often try to look at those options to begin with. So all of the banks provide us essentially with their policies and we interpret and kind of, I suppose, turn those into loan approvals. And when a client first comes to us, and this is what most mortgage brokers would do, I think, is we look at a high level estimate for their situation. And what can often happen is they might come to us as a single person, we might give some feedback, they can borrow X amount, but they want to borrow more. And they then come back to us with another option. So we're really big on providing a couple of those different options and then formalising them once everybody's happy. So kind of that high level understanding of where you might be at to begin with is pretty important, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And also, we don't often go to banks if we don't think it's a viable option as well. So you may come to us and and have your home bank and we might go, yep, let's have a look at that one. And then there might be one other bank that's going to give us a much higher loan approval. But then two other banks actually will give us lower loan approvals and it makes it not that much point. It's a waste of the bank's time. We don't want to be wasting their time and a waste of your time in terms of finding that option. So sometimes it'll be like, hey, these two are the best banks. And we've always looked across all of the options. And in terms of banks, we've got some other podcasts about all the banks and where they all kind of fit in the scheme of things. But that's why potentially there's two options when we get there's 10 plus banks in the country, but maybe only these two are the best for you. I think that's a pretty good overview of how we or how mortgage brokers get you a loan approval and all the bits and pieces and some of those targets and levers that we can pull. So thanks, Greg, for your time today. Thanks, Claire. It's always good. And we will see you all next time on the My Mortgage Podcast. Wherever you're at, you can get in touch with our friendly, easygoing team and get some advice tailored just for you. At My Mortgage, we never say no, only here's the plan. And we're happy to take the time to take you through the process and make it easy. My Mortgage, making home loans more fun and less boring since 2012.